How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of English Encore. I'm your host, Nick English. Thank you all for tuning in. Hope everyone's staying safe and healthy out there during these difficult times. Um, if you haven't done so already, please go ahead and give me a follow on my new Instagram page, at English Encore Podcast. Um, some really good content starting to go on there. Last Saturday, I had my first Instagram live session with LMC Athletics head athletic trainer Justin Cooper, as well as Seton Hall guard to call Molson. Have some other guests lined up. I'm going to be announcing my guest um, for this week's Instagram live session tomorrow on Instagram and all my other social media. So be sure to follow and keep an eye out for that. I'm really excited for this week's guest. Um, hope everyone enjoyed last week's for all those who tuned in. Um, today we're going to be talking about the Bills draft, giving them an overall grade, kind of going through pick by pick, um, talking about each of these players and the, you know the best moves and worst moves the Bills made in this draft. And then I'm getting into some Sabres talk. I'm going to be going over which five players who are currently in the NHL that the Sabres either um, traded or didn't re-sign would we like back on the Sabres' current roster, and then five current Sabres that I wish the Sabres never signed or traded for. So starting off with the Bills, just going over a quick overview of their draft. So round one, they didn't have a draft pick, but they did acquire Stephon Diggs. So technically, Stephon Diggs was their first-round pick, wide receiver from the Vikings. Round two, we got A.J. Espensa, the defensive end from Iowa. Round three, we got Zach Moss, the running back from Utah. Round four, Gabriel Davis, the wide receiver from the University of Central Florida. Round five, quarterback Jake Fromm from Georgia. Round six, Tyler Bass, the kicker from Georgia Southern. Round six, Isaiah Hodgins, wide receiver from Oregon State. And round seven, Dane Jackson, the cornerback from Pittsburgh. And the biggest free agent signing of undrafted players for the Bills was Trey Adams, the offensive lineman from Washington. So right off the back, I'm just going to talk about kind of each pick and then give a grade. So like I said, the Bills didn't have a first round pick, but we did go out and acquire Stephon Diggs by doing so. Um, automatically upgrades the Bills offense is the clear wide receiver one. You know, John Brown's coming off of a, his best season as a pro over a thousand yards receiving and six touchdowns, and that was going up against every team's number one corner. Now having Stephon Diggs, you can do a lot of different things with John Brown, and I think it could easily um, make his production go up even more. Um, Stephon Diggs is going to open up a lot more things for the Bills' offense in general. Really good pickup by Brandon Bean. Um, it also helps that he's under contract. He's younger. He's only 26. Um, they could have went out and got a guy like Emmanuel Sanders or someone of that nature who's a little older, more veteran. But um, Stephon Diggs is still considered a veteran guy. He's been in the league for, I believe, uh, six years now. And really polished route runner. Uh, does a good job of getting separation with the cornerbacks. And easily going to be Allen's uh, new best friend on the field for the offense. Round two, the Bills hit a home run in A.J. Espensa, um, the defensive end from Iowa. He was a guy that was touted as a round one talent. He struggled a little bit at the combine with his 40 time, and I think sometimes teams look too much into the combine instead of just watching the tape over and over, and as Brandon Bean said at best, 
They just want a guy that's going to be a tough-nosed football player, and they don't really care what you ran at your 40. Um, I mean, it does matter to a certain degree. However, he just wants football players and guys that are coming in at work, and that's exactly what Spencer's going to do. And the great thing about this pick is he's not going to be fl- excuse me, flourished into a role um, where he has to start immediately if he does so great. Um, but they do have Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison. They just signed Addison this offseason as a free agent from Carolina. So you got those two guys along with Trent Murphy and um, the edge rusher Johnson that we got in last year's draft. So you're not going to have to rush this kid in to start. If anything, it's going to be great that he's going to be able to learn from three veterans and Addison, Murphy, and Hughes about how to work how to get to the quarterback better because I think that's his biggest knock is I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to be in the 10 to 15 sack um, margin every year but I think with the Bills defensive system that we have in place and the coaches we have that he could easily get up to that eventually especially with Ed Oliver in the middle now with Harrison Phillips coming back and then acquiring excuse me signing Butler and Jefferson also as a defensive tackle position Um, I think this is a really good spot for him Third round, we got Zach Moss, throwing back from Utah. Really loved this pick. Um, just watching through some of his highlights and what the people talked about him at the Combine, um, my immediate thought of Zach Moss is Fred Jackson. Just the way he runs, he's not the fastest guy, but he's going to be that guy that after he takes that first hit, he's still going to fall forward for that extra yard. He's going to break that first tackle. He's hard to bring down. That's exactly what Fred Jackson kind of was. Very good vision, um, rarely got hit behind the line of scrimmage. If he did get hit, he always fell forward for that extra yard. Um, I think Moss is a great compliment back to Devin Singletary. And then you also have TJ Yeldon, who's a veteran, more of a catch-passing guy, and I think Moss can improve in that area. But Moss is also a willing blocker, which is why I also compare him to Fred Jackson because Jackson was never afraid of contact and was one of the best blocking running backs um, the Bills have had, and just in general, in the NFL when he was playing. Round four, we got Gabriel Davis, the wide receiver from UCF. Um, I didn't really know very much about Gabriel Davis, but just from looking at, you know, what people said about him at the combine and analysts said, um, it sounded like he has the best hands in this wide receiver group to go along with guys like C.D. Lamb. And they said that you know he's a really good route runner. Goes up and gets the ball. He's six foot two, and the video of him after getting drafted, and he was out on a practice field working right away. Just shows that he's gonna fit right in with the Bills. They always want hardworking guys. Um, round five, getting Jake Fromm. I thought it was a great pick. I know some people in Buffalo don't love it because they would have rather gotten you know maybe another wide receiver or add some more skill position. However, a guy like Jake Fromm falling that far, he's the best available on the board. To me, he's an instant upgrade over Matt Barkley. I know Matt Barkley's done some decent things when he has had to come in relief of Josh Allen or when Josh Allen got hurt last year. However, um, Jake Fromm going forward is going to be the better option long term. Barkley's only on a one-year deal anyway, so Fromm can be the third-string guy and even potentially move up to second string throughout the season. Um, It'll be a great addition for the Bills, especially with potentially a shortened off-season program, training camp, or who really knows what's going to happen with the NFL season. But from being able to learn um, behind a veteran like Barkley and now learning from Allen, who's going on his third year, 
I think it was a great pick. Tyler Bass, kicker from Georgia Southern. I also like this pick. I know people didn't like this pick a lot in Buffalo either. However, this guy had the record from his, in his college career as far as the amount of field goals made for 40-plus yards. You know, Hauschka did struggle at points last year, and he is getting up there in age. Down the stretch, Hauschka was super good, especially in the playoff game. However, it's always good to bring in competition. I know they brought in Vedvik as well, who does a little bit of punting and kicking, so it'll be a very interesting um, offseason for the Bills special teams. But special teams was not good last year, and I think this is a clear sign that Bean wants to make the special teams more competitive go out and get guys to push other guys to compete. And I think that's exactly what he did. And then our second sixth round pick, we got Isaiah Hodgins from Oregon State. Guy I really liked on tape when I was watching through his highlights in a few games I did get to watch for Oregon State this year. Six foot four, not the fastest receiver, but goes up and gets the ball. Very good route runner. This is really going to be a nice red zone threat for the Bills. Um, kind of like Duke Williams is, except, you know, Hodgins is a little younger, and I think he's going to fit right into the Bills' offense. I think the wide receiver room is actually really good now. It's going to put guys like Isaiah McKenzie, Robert Foster, and Duke Williams on the roster bubble spot. Personally, I like Isaiah McKenzie a lot just because of his versatility and being able to do returns, play wide receiver, do some draws, running plays on reverses and whatnot. I wouldn't be surprised if a guy like Andre Roberts gets cut. I know um, we want to get our special teams better, and he's a good special teams guy, and he made the Pro Bowl and whatnot, but Isaiah McKenzie can do that as well at a cheaper option. But then again, the Bills do have the cap space, so wouldn't be surprised if Roberts does stay on the team. Dane Jackson, the cornerback from Pittsburgh, was the last pick we had in the seventh round. Uh, really not a guy that pops off or jumps off the page on tape. Um, for a cornerback, you would have liked to have him with more interceptions. I believe he only had one interception his senior or his last season at Pittsburgh. And the reason I think a lot of people said he fell was because he did have a little bit of injury issues. However, he kind of reminds me of how Teron Johnson is, except he's a little more lengthy and more of an outside corner than a slot corner like Johnson is. But I think he's got a real chance at making the Bills roster and being productive. And then... The unrestricted free agent Trey Adams, the offensive lineman from Washington. This was a guy that was touted as a first-round guy, but because of injuries, a bad combine, and a little bit um, of issues during the interview process, said a few inappropriate things. Um, he kind of fell off the board, but the Bills were able to snag him up as a free agent. You know, Espinessa, Jake Fromm, and Adams were all guys that in last year, Matt Miller from Bleacher Reports mock draft. These were all guys he had going in the first round. So for the Bills to go out and get three of those guys, I think is great. Um, you know, the Bills added defensive tackles in free agency, offensive line in free agency, and cornerback. So I was a little surprised they didn't take a cornerback until round seven. I thought they may have taken one earlier. However, I'm not completely shocked because they did bring in Josh Norman and EJ Gaines along with re-signing Levi Wallace. Um, the biggest knocks, honestly, I have for the draft for the Bills is no linebacker or safety drafted. Um, to me, I understand it because I did draft um, Joseph and Johnson last year um, for safety and linebacker positions, um, Jaquan Johnson and Voshan Joseph. But um, you could always never have too much depth, and I think although – 
Poyer and Hyde, knock on wood, have not had really any injuries with the Bills. Um, it's good to have more reliable backups. You know, we saw it in the first year when Hyde and Poyer both kind of got banged up in the playoff game as Jaguars. We were all the way down to Colt Anderson. And I just thought we could have added some more depth there and at linebacker um, just because you never know Milano, Edmonds, guys like that. We don't really have backups for them. I know we brought in A.J. Klein. And um, like I said, Joseph is going to be there too. But um, my only other knock for the Bills is they probably could have went wide receiver a little earlier. I know they did acquire Diggs, like I mentioned, and have a pretty crowded wide receiver room now. However, John Brown and Cole Beasley are both getting up there in age. So, you know, they could have potentially traded back up into round three or instead of signing, or excuse me, drafting Zach Moss, they could have went a different route and went and got a veteran running back like Devontae Freeman or traded for Leonard Fournette or draft a running back later. Um, but other than that, I really have no complaints with the Bills offseason grade or excuse me, draft grade. Um, I gave them an A- minus overall. Like I said, they didn't really do anything wrong. They filled all their needs. They had some guys fall to them, which gave them great draft value. They didn't do any trades in the draft, which I thought was a little surprising, but I liked the moves by Bean. So overall, I give the Bills an A-, and they've definitely put themselves in position to win the AFC East this year. Now it's all about going out and executing that. So now moving on to the Sabres. So I'm going to start off with five current Sabres that I wish the team never signed or traded for. Um, this list wasn't too hard. There is probably one surprise on here that I don't think a lot of people would have. But starting off with Kyle Loposo. Um, originally when we signed Kyle Loposo, I was super amped up about it. I thought it was a great move for the Sabres. You know, we had O'Reilly, we had Kane, we had Eichel. I thought Oposo was going to be a guy that could really push the Sabres over the top to make the playoffs, you know, just based on what he had done in his years with the Islanders and playing with John Tavares. I thought him playing with O'Reilly and Reinhardt or Eichel and Kane was going to be really good. And honestly, his first year and a half of the Sabres, he was producing at a very high level. Um, he had a little bit of an injury bug his first year where he missed, I believe, six games. But other than that, he was producing at a very high level made the all-star game. However, as the season's progressed and he's been on the Sabres, um, injuries are really caught up with him, especially concussions. One point he was even in the hospital, and he really just hasn't been the same player since. He's hovering always around the 25-30 point mark, um, and he's great on the line with Gergensons and Larson. However, when you're paying Kyle Post of $6.5 million, they were expecting him to be in the 60 to 75 points every single season. And it's just a really bad move by Tim Murray, who's not the GM anymore, but it just looks really bad. Like I said, I was super hyped when we got him, but um, obviously it hasn't worked out. Jimmy VC, uh, don't even get me started with him. I can't even fathom why we traded for him. We traded to acquire him and his rights from Nashville for him to just not sign with us and go to the Rangers. And then we traded for him again, and he's come in. We thought he was going to be a potential second-line guy, maybe even first if he could produce a high level with Eichel. Dude didn't do anything for the first, like, 15 games of the season. Just awful. He had less points on the season than guys like Larson, Gergensons, um, even a guy like Froley and Sims, who we acquired late. 
Like, he was right around with those guys. Like, that's just pathetic. And can't get over why we signed him. Um, Vladimir Saboka, we should have never made that Ryan O'Reilly trade in the first place. Or if you were going to make that move, your consolation prize definitely shouldn't have been Berglund and Vladimir Saboka. I don't even have Berglund on this list just because he left the team. But Saboka, you know, I don't even know why we had him back this year. Why... We wonder why Jeff Skinner wasn't producing, maybe because he was on the second line with Saboka and Johansson. Really just mind-boggling move there by Botterill. Um, he just felt pressured to make a move with O'Reilly, and that's all he could get for it. Um, Michael Froelich, even though we didn't give up much to get him, I thought he was just a huge disappointment. You know, Botterill made these moves thinking these guys could come in and help the Sabres make a playoff push, which at the time when they acquired these guys, we were only four to six points out. So it was within reach, and Froley came in, did absolutely nothing. I think he had three points on the season for the Sabres. And then finally, this is probably the surprising one, but Brandon Montour. Honestly, I just haven't been that impressed by him. Um, he's very skilled. He moves the puck quick, and he, you know he has a little bit of an offensive game. But I just haven't been, like, overly, like, excited watching him. You know, I think he's definitely better than Brendan Gooley. And what we gave up for him really wasn't terrible. But um, what we're going to potentially have to pay him in the offseason, um, just the market value for his defensive, um, for defensemen in general, I don't know if I really want to pay him a ton of money, especially when he really has been very inconsistent. You know, the best two defensemen we've had all year have been Okiaru and Dahlin. Um, You could even argue that Colin Miller, when playing, has been better than Brandon Montour. Um, so he would be my fifth guy. So now five former Sabres that are currently in the NHL that we either traded or didn't re-sign that I would love back on the Sabres. Number one's pretty easy. Ryan O'Reilly easily fills that number two center role. Of course, the first year we get rid of him, he goes on and wins the Stanley Cup and the Conn Smythe. And I just think the beef with Eichel was just all, like, hoopla, made-up stuff. Eichel was literally at the Stanley Cup Finals when they won. They have video of him and O'Reilly talking after the game, pictures, everything. And from my understanding, the real big beef was they did the locker room was divided as far as who they wanted captain with O'Reilly and Eichel. Which one they should have done is exactly what the Sabres did in 2006-7. When they had Breeder and Drury, they made them co-captains. And this could have all been squashed. The Sabres would have a great second-line center. And we probably would have made the playoffs by now. But Botterill panicked and fell to the pressure of the media. And, you know, should have had Ryan O'Reilly and Eichel just work out the issue if they had one. Or had the team work out an issue. And or have a coach that was competent enough to do it, which they didn't. And you move on from a guy who's now a 70, 80 point guy every single year and is helping teams win the Stanley Cup. Um, my next guy is Evander Kane. He scored 20 plus goals every year he was in Buffalo. He was on pace for his second consecutive 30 goal season with San Jose. He had 26 currently before the league got put on hold. Um, you know, Evander Kane had some off the ice issues before coming to Buffalo. The amount of assets we gave up to get Evander Kane and then you took on Bogosian's contract, you should have given Kane a longer tenure. You know, Eichel liked him. Reinhardt liked him. He produced. 
He didn't really get himself in much trouble at all once he came to Buffalo. And it's just mind-boggling to think that we could have had Evander Kane, O'Reilly, Reinhardt, Eichel still all on the same team. And then we add a guy like Skinner and then Donlin in them. Um, it's really sad to look at that. Um, next, I had Tyler Myers, a guy that won Rookie of the Year with his Sabres. He plays about 22 minutes a game, which is exactly what the Sabres need right now. They don't have consistent enough defensive play. He has playoff experience now when he was playing with Winnipeg, and now he's on Vancouver. And he produces offensively to a degree, you know, back-to-back 32-plus um, point seasons for a defenseman is not terrible. Um, very good and consistent in the defensive end. Um, doesn't ever really get caught up in the moment. Very consistent. Um, another defenseman right after Braden McNabb was always a guy I never wanted the Buffalo Sabres to get rid of. I thought he was going to produce once he was given the chance. And he's not he hasn't been a guy that's going to produce a lot of points, but he's one of the most sound defensemen. Um, right away when he went to Vegas, he helped them towards a Stanley Cup. And since his first season in Buffalo in 2011-12, he's never been below plus one for the entire season as a defenseman, which is amazing because a lot of defensemen aren't always in the positives unless you're on a great team. And he played vital roles with the Kings and Golden Knights and showed that his value on the ice. And then finally, um, personal favorite, Marcus Foligno, have a Foligno jersey. He just brings that physical toughness that the Sabres legit don't have on their roster. Like, your tough guys on your roster right now are Jurgensons. You know, you could say Larson. I know we acquired Wayne Simmons late in the season. Jake McCabe defensively. But you don't have that guy that's going around throwing around his body, getting six, seven hits a game, willing to fight for guys when they get hit. Um, the thing with Felino is he produces 20 to 30 points a season to be your third, fourth line guy, which is exactly what you want. He was at a career high in points this year in only 59 games. And he had more points this year in 59 games than Skinner, VC, Gergensen, Zaposo, Larson, Froelich, Simmons, the list goes on and on. Um, I don't blame Skinner for his lack of production this year, but you know, you get my point. He's only Felino's only making three million dollars next season. You know, you're paying Larson and Gergensen a combined three million dollars. Like I'd rather just give it to Felino when I know he's gonna score 25, 30 points for the year. And he's going to go throw his body around and protect his teammates. And he's a good leadership guy, good locker room guy. And we should have honestly never gotten rid of him for what we got back. Um, you know, we got back Scandale and Pominville. We're both neither on the team now. We gave up Ennis and Felino, And, you know, Felino's been doing nice things in Minnesota. And Ennis has kind of rejuvenated his career since leaving Buffalo. So those would be the five guys that I would personally bring back um, if I were the Sabres. Obviously, I doubt any of those would happen, but you never know. But yeah, that's going to do it for today's episode. I'll be back with another one on Saturday following my Instagram live session. Again, follow at English Encore Podcast on Instagram. Tune into that tomorrow. I'll be posting who my guest is going to be for Saturday. And once again, I'll be doing surprise topics for Saturday again. So tune in to find out what those are and hope to have... All of you tune in for Instagram Live on Saturday. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and stay safe out there. Thanks, everyone.